everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. This is the podcast where we analyze franchises and we uh, we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. And we are currently going through the Hunger Games series, and we're on the second one. This is Hunger Ga- the Hunger Games semi or colon Catching Fire, which uh, yeah. What do you, what do we want to say about it right off the bat before we jump in? Nothing. Nothing. Go. I guess neither of us have an experience with this movie. Well, I I realized about the last third of the movie. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Mm-hmm. It was very familiar to me. Right around the clock reveal, you I feel like I might have like, watched this on TV one time. Okay. With my dad or something. Okay, Scott. Yep, that's yeah. his name. Um. Okay. Well, then I'll just go into production notes here. <clears throat> go through it so the movie is directed by francis lawrence who is going to go on to do the rest of these movies um he started out directing a ton of pop videos just like when you go back um i i like 90s and i think maybe even 80s oh like but when you are scrolling it's like oh i mean it's uh, so he directed um, the rest of these movies. Um, Red Sparrow was his most recent movie, which was the Jennifer Lawrence movie um, that bombed. Uh, Water for Elephants, and also I Am Legend. Kind of a strange, very weird. Water for Elephants looks very boring to me. It looked very boring to me as well. Even though it's got Robert in it, but it it it's the kind of movie where I feel like around certain people i feel like there's someone we know that that uh maybe it's like renee or something has been like you haven't seen water for elephants and i'm like what people saw that movie yeah yeah i don't even really know anything about it other than my opinions yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so it's produced by nina jacobson and john killick again same as last time screenplay is by simon bufoy who did the recent um, Steve Carell and Emma Stone movie, Battle of the Sexes. He did Everest, 127 Hours, Slumdog Millionaire. So he's like a... He, he True co- stories. Well, he, and he also he collaborates with um, uh, that direct, Danny Boyle uh, quite oh, a bit. Oh, okay. Um, and then the screenplay is also by Michael DeBruyn. Um, but his, his name on IMDb is Michael Art. A-R-N-D-T, Ardent. Mm-hmm. And we've actually talked about him because he is one of the writers on Toy Story 3. Oh. And he also did, uh, he wrote on The Force Awakens, Inside Out, Oblivion, and a Jordan classic, Little Miss Sunshine. Hmm. And his, his fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> yeah. We also have another James Newton Howard on the score and cinematography by Joe Willems who did the rest of these movies, Red Sparrow, the pilot of the show that somehow has come up several times in this uh, podcast, Awake, the the movie where the guy keep is like... Um, oh, that with like Lucy as Malfoy's in, in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is a cinematographer for Limitless, 30 Days of Night, Hard did you see Candy. Limitless? Yeah. Was it good? Uh, I found it to be very, very bad. It was pretty stupid. Um Felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, and well, and that's the whole thing. It's like, why am I watching this? And it should be a half hour, maybe an hour, and it's a two-hour movie. You know, it's not good. And uh, he also did Hard Candy, and he has done a lot of cinematography on the show on uh, American Gods, the Neil Gaiman show. Okay, that still no one's told me if it's worth watching or not. Yeah, the trailers have looked very bad to that show. But the Neil Gaiman's attached to it. Yeah. So I, it's piqued my interest. Not that everything he does is great, but uh, you have those other two guys, David Tennant and... You're thinking of Good Omens. Oh. American Gods is the one with uh, the, the dad from uh, Hot Rod. Yeah. And I think I think it's about like gods living among men or something like that, but it, it looks... Is Good Omens Neil Gaiman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's got two shows right now? Yeah. Oh. Maybe more. <laughs> uh, I wonder so, if they'll do a Sandman. That would be terrifying. Well, maybe. We've never actually read it, so we I've don't really I've read part know. of it. Oh, you have? Yes. Okay. 
uh, in college. The I think we were all supposed to bring like excerpts of a very influential work to us uh-huh. to class, and she basically like copied a like uh, your professor. No, a student copied like oh. a chapter because uh-huh. it's a graphic novel. So yeah. it's like a chapter of it. Uh, wow, it was terrifying. Really? Yeah, it was pretty scary. I would love to read it. I I almost bought like the first collection, but I wasn't there was super crazy about stuff, the though, art. That's like kept me out from yeah. reading it. Yeah. Also, the scary stuff I remember being like a like oh that feels very wrong to me. Therefore, oh. I don't really want to read it. Okay. It was that was years ago though, so I don't really remember the specifics of what was happening. But it was scary. Yeah. It was um, a bit before I saw Hereditary. <laughs> So the movie's produced by Lionsgate and Color Force again. It's distributed by distributed by Lionsgate. The movie comes out November twenty second, two thousand thirteen. So just a little over a year past the first movie. Uh, the budget of this movie is one hundred and thirty million dollars. Um, it makes four hundred twenty four million six hundred sixty eight thousand forty seven dollars domestically. Worldwide, it makes eight hundred sixty five million eleven thousand seven hundred forty six dollars. And this movie is connected to the previous series we covered because the trailer to this movie was released connected to Breaking Dawn Part 2. What does that mean? Like when Breaking Dawn Part 2 came out, the first trailer for this movie was only playing in front of that movie. Yeah, okay. Which is smart, good marketing. Um, And then my last note, because I have almost nothing on this movie, is that the arena scenes were shot on IMAX cameras. Oh wow! To give that's it a cool. bigger scope. So cool. That's what I have for Hunger that, Games: that does Catching look good Fires. In uh, okay, so we missed a pretty big person in the last movie, but that's okay. Donald Sutherland. Oh yeah, we actually didn't talk about Papa him. of Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland, uh-huh. aka Jack Bauer. People. Yeah. Um, Donald Sutherland has been around the block. He is in. Pride and Prejudice. I'm not going to go to his full filmography. No, just hit the. And I know this is going to be more recent stuff, but I have a feeling maybe our audience might know him from more recent stuff. Yeah. He's in Ad Astra. He is in American Hangman. Wow. All of these, I don't know what these are. Wow. Oh, he did a movie with his son called Forsaken. And they're both on the cover. Look at that. They're in a Western together. Oh, cool. I've always wanted them to be in a movie so, together, but very average, averagely rated. Yeah, um, he's great. He's a gem in everything he's in. I'm yeah. just gonna leave it at that because it's Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Okay. Lo- uh, I feel like that happens almost every time we have a really iconic actor. It's it's kind of too. It's hard, and especially when you, like I'm not super well versed in Donald Sutherland. I know every time I see him, I like him, but I'm not like, oh yeah. Back in the 70s, he played this character, and that made him famous, you know? Yes. We're, we're learning that stuff about the people we're growing up with, you know? So yeah. it, it's... I don't know that about him. Um, okay, so then we're next going to go to Jeffrey Wright, who plays BT, who is the guy with the, the electricity guy. Yeah, With, yeah. like, the coil. Um, he is in Shaft, Broken Flowers. Which which Shaft? The Samuel Jackson Shaft. Uh, what year did it come out? Oh, 2000. 2000, okay. The Manchurian Candidate. He is in Westworld, which he seemed to be pretty good in that. I watched the last episode of season one. <laughs> pretty big twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's in Game Night. Yeah. He's also in BoJack, Cuddly Whiskers. <gasps> he plays the hamster. Plays the, who's the hamster? The, so remember... I don't know. He's like a gerbil or something. Yeah, I'm picturing him, but what what does he do in the well, show? Well, we we're in his house at some point, and there's a ton of awards everywhere. Uh-huh. And him and Bojack, I think, are supposed to be working on something, and I can't remember. I don't remember what season, but I know who yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm I'm vaguely remembering that. Yeah, I okay. can I can see the hamster. Oh, he's also gerbil. in Boardwalk Empire, and he is also in um. He he's oh my gosh, I forget the character name, but he's in Casino Royale as one of the helpers oh. of. Cool. Um, James Bond. Then we have Amanda Plummer, who is in Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. Is she in anything else? She's in The Fisher King. She's oh. in Hercules. The... Like, animated Hercules. Wow. Um, so, so She's in so much stuff. For those who don't know, uh, she's the girl in Pulp Fiction that is Bruce Willis's girlfriend. No. What? Tim Roth. 
You said Bruce Willis is. Oh, no, I was. Th- no. Yeah, no, it's not her. It's that, Tim they Roth. Look nothing. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Like she's the the honey bunny. I mean, she calls yeah. him honey bunny. Yeah. She robs the diner with Tim Roth. Tim Roth is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, that's her. Wow. What a crazy cameo appearance. And then Sam Claflin. Well, it's not really a cameo because she's a character in. The- no, I know, but it's just like okay, fine, Easter egg, whatever. Yeah. It's a gem. It's fun. He plays Finnick. Uh, he is in Me Before You, Snow White and the Huntsman. Is this the guy with the very strange smile and the super dimples? He's like a, a knockoff Rami Malek to me. He's also in Peaky Blinders. Can you walk me through that? He just, they kind of have a similar look. In terms really? Of teeth. <laughs> um, he's also in Peaky Blinders, Adrift, a lot of chick flicks, I would say. And then he's in Huntsman, Winter's War. Wow, he made the cut on both Huntsman's movies. He did. But yeah, a lot of a lot of chick flicks. <gasps> Is he gonna move? No, that's not Robert Pattinson. He wishes. Okay. And then let's see, let's see, let's see. Jenna Malone, who plays the one of the she's one of the contestants. She's the one that strips in front of them in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the best um, way to describe her. She's in Donnie Darko. She's also in Neon Demon. She is in the public nocturnal animals. I don't remember that. Yeah. She's like her assistant, I think. Oh, okay. In the movie. She's in Batman V Superman. Really? Janet oh. Clyburn. <laughs> She's got a full name. Uh, forgive so. me for not remembering who Janet Clyburn is. She's an inherent vice. Also don't remember that. I don't remember I, that either. I've always liked this actress. Yeah. Um, She's got a fun energy to her. She does. And I think it probably helps a lot that like, I, I mean, she's in Donnie Darko for me, but she always has reminded me of Kristen Stewart. I think eight, you know, they look a little bit similar and Mm -hmm. they're around the same age. Okay. I'm just making sure I'm getting these people before I get to the last one. I think we're about good. We got the okay. important ones. But then the most important one yeah. is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays the Game Master, or Plutarch Heavensby. Plutarch Heavensby? I hardly know him. <laughs> uh, okay, so people, Philip Seymour Hoffman has been around the block. Mm-hmm. but We're a little more well-versed in his yes. career. So he um, plays the titular master in The Master, yeah. I guess maybe that's up for debate depending on how yeah. you viewed the movie. He Probably also, his oh. best performance. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite ones. I mean, he, you got to at least put it into consideration. Yes. And he also plays um, Capote. Oh, that's a Capote, great performance too. Which I believe, I know it's a biopic, but I uh-huh. believe a lot of it is about him talking to those prisoners for In Cold Blood. I think it's just that. It's just that. It's so not it's like his life. Interesting biopic, huh? Where they yeah. focus on a part of his life and not the whole thing. Yeah. And so the, you haven't seen it? I've seen some of it. Okay. But uh, but it's just one of those. It's kind of like Love and Mercy, where it's like we don't need the whole picture to understand this person and the significance that they contributed. Yeah. To history. Well, because when you when you watch um, a biopic and they decide to choose their whole life, unless it's something really long and they really are specific about certain things. It just feels like you read a Wikipedia article with actors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when you zoom in, you can, you can kind of apply that to the person's life and learn a little more about them. I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so he's, his last, was this his last, was the most wanted man his last movie? I think that was his last shot movie. Okay. I, 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 let me look it up while you keep on talking about him. But, okay, let me scroll back to, to more back stuff. But he is, um, a Paul Thomas Anderson guy. Um, he is in, isn't he in Heart Eight? He's in Heart Eight. Yeah. Right there. And then he's also in Boogie Nights. He's in Twister. That's crazy. Um, he's in The Big Lebowski. He's in Patch Adams. Magnolia. Oh my gosh, he's so good and magnolia you said boogie nights as well yes okay um almost famous the talented mr ripley i don't remember that punch drunk love yeah he's a punch drunk love he's in red dragon he's the dude that gets burned is burning in a wheelchair going down the street that's him um he's also in cold mountain Mm -hmm. 
Mission Impossible 3, where he plays a wonderful bad guy. Oh my gosh, that is such an underrated Mission Impossible movie that people don't talk about so much. It's, you know what? (sighs) It's possible it's J.J. Abrams' best movie. It's at least up for debate. (laughs) Okay, I'd have to go back through his career and assess that. Maybe I love Force Awakens a lot. I really like Super 8. And Super 8 is really great. It's definitely better than the Star Trek movies. Yeah. It's cool, though, because he he does the Hitchcock thing where the whole movie, Ethan Hunt is just trying to get the rabbit's foot, which is just a MacGuffin. The whole movie, and it's never explained. And, and it's like, it's just kind of exploring the, it's just openly exploring the concept as him being a film nerd, I'm sure, of a MacGuffin. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman is just unbelievable. He's kind of scary in that movie. He's scary. Yeah. he and, He's nuts. Um, he's in doubt, which I think a lot of people make fun of that movie today, but I remember liking that movie. Never seen it. Um, I'm cu- I have not, I saw that so long ago though. So I don't, I don't know what my opinion would be now, but I remember liking that movie. You want me to tell you his last movie now? Yeah. Um, so he died in the production of Mockingjay part two, oh, but his, that's right. his last full movie, as far as I can tell is a most wanted man. Okay. I do remember that now. He also plays Max and Marion Max. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. A, a beautiful claymation movie that's mm-hmm. very uh, uh, emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's in The Eyes of March, Moneyball. I mean, come on, people. Man, he it's been like five years since he died. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, pro- I mean, probably, probably Force Awakens is the best... Uh, <laughs> jj abrams movie but i'd consider i'd consider uh mission impossible 3 as a candidate it's too much fun okay so that's it we covered we covered hoffman so we should jump into the movie let's just do it okay so movie again starts out and she's like hunting stuff and what's cool about the beginning is she's having these she she has post-traumatic stress from the first movie mm-hmm. and right away yeah, the first movie not um, the battle yeah the hunger I'm just, games i'm just joking I'm um joking. but yeah it's like right away i'm thinking whoa okay they're actually like diving into some stuff because in the last movie they dove into stuff uh-huh and, and you wonder where it is gonna go from there you kind of can guess like the politics and what i've heard about the series but um when you throw in like post-traumatic stress, it's like, this could be really interesting. Yes. <clears throat> and the way they show it is cool. Like she's about to shoot like a bird or something. A turkey, I think. Turkey. And then she just shoots and it hits like a player from the other game. It hits game. the person she killed in the last games. Like the boy okay. that she killed yeah. who killed Rue. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it also similarly starts off. She's with Gail. Um, which is kind of like, okay, what's this guy's deal? I hardly remember him from the first movie. Mm. Um, but that's a but. You know, th- so then that happens and they go back into town and they, they, they like share a kiss. So it's like, okay, they're together. Yeah. Um, despite everything that happened in the last thing where they were, where her and PETA publicly were together, obviously. Although we knew that she, it was for show, but it's like, okay, she does, she loves Gail. Mm-hmm. And so I have heard that Gail doesn't have much to do yeah. for a lot of the series, which is kind of like, oh, so is it just a love triangle thing? Is that what this is all for? But then I realized, so when they're, when they like share their kiss and they're talking, I forget exactly what they talk about, but it's like, he's basically saying all the things that women have said in other yeah where it's like pretty much like i'll be here when you get back from the war even though you know she's not going to war but like she's going to do her like public public stuff and and she's like i'll be back in a couple weeks and everything will be normal we'll Mm -hmm. be able to resume Mm -hmm. our normal lives and it'll be fine again which is like so that totally was like i think if some people have problems with him like that that's not necessarily wrong, but in a way it's like, it's kind of refreshing to hear a guy say that those things that I've heard yeah. women say. And it's kind of so a turn on the trope yeah. of like, I mean, tropes may be the wrong word, but you know, yeah. it, it is always it's like, a stereotype. Like there are a lot of movies where there are women characters that don't have anything to do except for what um, men have them do. 
or like they're motivated by men, which is not inherently wrong, but occasion like a lot of times it's like okay. But well, there, like, there's like eight other guys in this movie and eight of those guys are not motivated by women. So how come all, you know, the two women in this movie are only motivated by men? And so it's cool that in this movie, it's like, well, it's just this man who's motivated by a woman and his family. Yeah. And and she has like other things that she has to do. It's I think that's a really refreshing take. And I I mean, speaking of him... Because, yeah, I we had heard the same thing that, like, he he's kind of pointless in the series. You could cut him out. And I kind of think that, like, especially in this movie, he kind of, like, holds the whole thing together mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just that, like, he is home to her. He and, represents home. Like, yeah. her mom and her sister represent it as well. But it's the three of them together that represent District 12 to her. Yeah. And, and it's it's... I don't. I don't know personally. I w- I wouldn't change his role in the movie because I think it would get annoying if he was showing up all the time and being like, "Oh, you oh, still kissing yeah. that PETA guy?" You know. No, it's like he obviously he doesn't like it, but he he understands. Yeah. Like, they they did this thing publicly, and they can't just take it back or else they'll die. You know, like it's yeah. safe to assume that they would probably be killed for like cutting like to, to make the ratings go bad. Well, that's, I mean, Snow even says that when he meets with um, Katniss, Katniss uh, in like a the scene afterward. Like, convince me that you love each other. Yeah. And yeah. He, he mentions that whole thing about the berries and how she messed up the system. And then she says, uh, it must be a very fragile system to be shattered by berries. Yeah. Which is a cool line. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was exactly that line, but. Yeah, that was great. So, so yeah, so she, her and Peta are like going on a tour where they're going to each district to kind of like give a speech of like condolences to the, the two people you've lost in uh-huh. the games. But, but they were supposed to, you know, they're supposed to provide some kind of encouraging rousing speech that they didn't even write. Which how, isn't that, that's kind of a weird concept in and of itself. I think it's a, it's the capital, like, cause you know, basically they're representing the capital at that point mm-hmm. because they participated and won something that ca- that the capital puts on. So they're like spokes people in a way. So they're going to these districts and like doing these things that are like, we recognize your loss. Yeah. But remember that they died for this sacred weird thing that we've put together. <laughs> right. But we recognize it in our condolences. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah. The whole point of it. And I think it's also too to distract people. And then also to, and I think it was not the first district they went to, but the second one, you see people in the crowd who were just so pissed yeah, about it. And it's like, I'm assuming people are pissed every year when people come back to tell them they're sorry that people died that shouldn't have died. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of like, sure, they're, they're providing a sense of hope, like a, a very lazy sense of hope to mm-hmm. them. But the people are so mad about it that it's as if they're seeing these, these people who have, been from a lower district basically like accept the capital and are working with it and their anger keeps them from doing something about it because they see oh, these people of yeah. authority like sub, sub submitting to the capital yeah but it's in so the first district they go to and they go off book Peta goes off book and then Katniss goes off book uh-huh. and basically says like this is terrible and I'm sorry like he saved my life and he didn't have to. I tried saving her life, and there was nothing I could do to save her life. And I feel terrible every day for it. And it causes a riot. Yeah. And it's like, and they them, do the three finger salute. Yeah. And I think it's it's them, exp- act like genuinely expressing how they feel is what gave the people of District Eleven the courage to even do the symbol. Yeah. To, to, well, and the way she treated Rue specifically. Yeah, and I think it gave them the kind of hope that Snow was trying to kill. Avoid, yeah. Yeah, I thought that this whole sequence was so interesting. Yeah, because we're doing this whole thing where they're where they're going through the districts, and you're seeing that there's like unrest in the districts. But when they get higher, remember they like got to one of the higher ones, and that little girl's like, "I hope one like one day when I'm old enough, I'm gonna volunteer like you did." Yeah. And it's like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense because it's even the propaganda is even stronger mm-hmm. to the up, to the upper class in a way. Yeah. Because it's the people who actually have some influence because they probably are wealthier. Right. But they're they're distracted by the entertainment to to know the truth. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. 
And then, so in this whole section, I think there, there's all the like political stuff that's really cool, and it's actually pretty surprising for like a teen novel and yeah. book to like focus this much on the politics. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe I'm just not well versed in young adult, but it feels it feels like like Harry Potter was not like political like this. Um. And so that was cool. It was more inherent good and bad. Yeah, and then and then Twilight's kind of its own thing, and it feels like Twilight's the type of propaganda that's trying to distract <laughs> us from political things. Yeah. <laughs> and Hunger Games feels like that's like kind of a mark in like young adult, uh, um, both movies and books, where it's like kind of a before and after moment. Because mm-hmm. you know, then I mean, I don't know when the Maze Runner books were written, but those seem more political. Um, I have no idea what they're about, <laughs> other than it seems like they're supposed to participate in a game to the death as well. Yeah. That's the only thing I know. Of course, the, uh, come to find out, I'm sure when I get done with this episode, I'll look up Maze Runner, and the books were probably published in like 1972 or something I'm like sure that. Look it up. We'll just see. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but as you're doing that, one 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 thing that I really noticed too, though, so you have all the, the political stuff and the commentary on um, just society and classes, but there's also this really interesting commentary just on celebrity um life and nature because i thought of um what you said you've always said when like the what was it last year when brad pitt and and, um angelina jolie well no jennifer Aniston. aniston like got back together after being together in like the early 2000s yeah. or something like that and you just said i a lot of times think that this stuff isn't real like they just make up the weddings to like to help dis- with their Oscars and like yeah. distract and stuff like that. Oh, it's just like we will like even people who don't watch Brad Pitt movies know Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um or because they see him in a magazine so often, they will see his movies. Yeah. And so uh, this movie made me think of that especially when they're like, "Okay, here's what we can do. You can get married to Peta because what's more interesting than a wedding?" And you know that they're not like Peta definitely loves Katniss, but she doesn't love him. And it just reminded me of that idea of like just doing these moves so that you stay popular and that people are with you and not actually living the life how you should be living it. One thing I appreciate about Pete, by the way, Maze Runner came out in 2009. The books? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, So Hunger Games beat him. Yeah. So Pete's character, when did the books come out? I think, well, I'll check. (laughs) So with Pete's character, um, I like him. He actually does have feelings for her. Um, he seems very, I don't know, like in a way patient, if that makes sense. I know. Like, Did you say 2009? Yeah. So Hunger Games 1 came out in 2008. Wow. So I mean, that could be just a case of having similar ideas at the same time. True. Go ahead. I'm sure they're very different. Yeah. They, they're just both dystopian. So that kind of puts a thing in your head. Yeah. Of what that is. Yeah. Um, okay, but Peta's character to me feels in a way like patient or even like, well, I don't have a voice, so I'm just not gonna say anything. Because uh-huh. nothing I can do matters. Cause they all all they care about. It's just it's just an interesting I don't usually see that from the guy. Yeah. It's another <laughs> yeah. version of like that's not very common for me to see. Yeah. And it's interesting. Maybe I don't know if patience the word I was looking for. But, um, okay, so they go to, they, basically this tour ends at, let's just say the Capitol, I think it's the Capitol, at this huge party to celebrate them. Yeah. Um, and it's just so, like, garish. Everyone's wearing the craziest costumes, the craziest hair and makeup. Um, even they're wearing really crazy stuff. And they're... They're like presented with food, 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 more food, more food. And they're like, I can't even eat anymore. And it's like, oh, just drink this and you'll be sick and you can eat more. Like, it's, yeah, which it's is such a crazy normal. idea of like the. And of course, I said, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like talking through it. And then um, PETA explains it right after. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, the fact that they have a drink that makes them puke. So that they can eat more, so that they can just taste everything. Whereas, like the districts can't even—they're astounded by a loaf of bread. Yeah, you know the the class structure of that is just you know devastating. And it's interesting too that these people, so Peta and Katniss are from District Twelve, and they're at this crazy party of unlike anything they've ever seen. And these people are not treating them like they're from District Twelve. No, because all they see them as are winners and yeah. celebrities, and that's why they 
basically are accepting them. Yeah. But it is like, no, you need to recognize where I'm from and how that actually is offensive to me. Yeah. yeah. What you just said about throwing up after eating. I would never even dream. Like that's probably things that would be going through their head. Yeah. Um, but it's in this scene that we are introduced to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Well, we've actually met him before, but this is when he meets Katniss. Because he, he's talking about how um, we need to make her look like she's one of us so yeah, that the people right. will hate her. True. Which, uh, really cool idea. Yeah. His performance is so cool. Oh, it's it's like... I it's mean, very it's, muted, but so, there's this intensity behind it's it. It's super methodical, like a gamer. Because yeah. he's not... He, the whole, Like, he lo- it's him. He Everything he sees is a game. Not yeah. just yeah. the game. Because he's talking to Snow about how politically and... Um, on the news we can make this work so he was like have a riot or no 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 like flogging what dress is she wearing uh, execution what kind of what's her hair gonna look like for the wedding yeah another yeah. execution it's just like staggering all these this type of news and propaganda to make people fear the capital further but also distract them with this fun and glamorous thing that's happening and it's like oh that is so scary because feels a little real yeah uh um, and you were right this is the first time we see him i was just looking at my notes because oh, okay. after this he says all the stuff we just talked okay. about so yeah so they meet and um katniss being like having putting on a face this whole time doesn't even try with him yeah which i think is cool because it's like yeah. oh you're the person who tries to kill people well and and he he says a comment that i remember thinking when it happened i was like oh he's like an inside man he's like part of the resistance like yeah and then and then by the end of the movie i was like no he's not what did he say um i can't remember exactly but i think he said um you know something like it's something to the effect you know her saying oh this is all just a game to you and he's like yeah it's a game to both of us and we need to win or something like that where you're like like that oh wait what and so then at the end of the movie, when you find out he's a part of the, he's like the leader of the resistance, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Right. But but he played it so well throughout the rest of the movie that I kind of thought, oh, he must have just been messing with Katniss. Me too. Yeah. And it's crazy that I've seen the third movie and I forgot <laughs> that he's, <laughs> yeah. that he d- d- flips sides or he's working undercover. Yeah. Um. Okay. So then it ends with them going back home, correct? Yeah. Um, and the what are the the peacekeepers, which are the guy the stormtroopers, <laughs> yeah, um, are um in digital. Oh, so they get cool back in Katniss is with Gale and is like, we need to run away. Yeah, they will kill us. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just run away? And he's like, we can't run away. Like we have to stay here. It's like our responsibility. You know, think of my family. Think of your family. So they don't leave. Now the peacekeepers show up and they pretty much just start hurting people for no yeah. reason. And to the point where, like, Gail is being whipped in front of everyone. And I think that's interesting that, like, Katniss stops it and the guy doesn't even know who she is. Yeah. Because it's not his job. Yeah. In a way. In a way, it's like he's here to just... He's not supposed to, like, look at people's faces. Yeah. And so then we see, like... I I like the Woody Harrelson's... I like what his character does of, like, convincing him, like, do you even understand who this is? And then do you even understand who I am? Yeah. And then like, does PETA show up at one point too? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. do you even understand who this person is? That was super interesting. And then uh, they're trying to treat Gail or, you know, he's fine, but. Yeah, but he's pretty messed up. And it was a, a real nice touch um, on the guy who was flogging him. There were, um, there was blood speckled yes. where it would be if he was like whipping to his back yeah. and stuff, which I just was like, that's such a nice touch. Yeah. Um, so the movie's chugging along, and then after that, they're they're like, okay, we need to get her killed. She's way too much of a threat. So it's been seventy five years since the the first Hunger Games, and we they have these things called quarter quells every twenty five years, and in I think it's especially in this one, not it's this was unusual. They were like, we're making a new rule, um, winners can be drawn or it's only drawn from the winners only uh, the victors district. are eligible yeah which was unique because sh- they reacted in such a way that i did not think that this had ever happened before yeah um at the other quarter quells i understand yeah yeah um one thing about katniss's character that i think is pretty well written is um so many times she's trying to figure out ways to get out of 
basically responsibility. Uh-huh. And when something happens to her that might be personal, like Gail getting whipped, she doesn't even question for a second to save that person. Yeah. And even when they're like in the first movie during the games, like, of course, like she's supposed to be killing people, mm-hmm. you know, um, or that's the logic behind it. But it's like, there are so many times she would like fight for other people or like do something that like she would only harm someone if it was in defense, mm-hmm. but it wasn't even something that entered her mind. It was like, she just did that. Yeah. So her even like trying to get Gail to run away with her is like, I understand that that character flaw. And I think that's interesting. And even later on in the movie with PETA, she's trying to convince him to run away with her. And he's like, we can't do that. Yeah. You know, they tried to kind of come up with a different plan, but She's like trying to figure out ways out of this, but it's as if responsibility keeps being put thrust upon her. And it's like, she doesn't even question for a second to accept it. Yeah. When it's put in front of her. I just think that is like pretty well written for a character. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you can keep going about the other thing. Um, where was I? Well, they're doing the new games. Yeah. So they, they do another drawing and it's, it's, shot pretty intensely um i I like how how the the everything is and you know it's just interesting that elizabeth banks is still trying to be like oh fun but she's lost it yeah and then and then she goes to draw out of the fishbowl and the only name in it is katniss because she's the only girl that's ever won there and so she pulls it and she says her name, and then just one tear goes down Jennifer Lawrence's face because she's dreading going there. She's still having po- post-traumatic yeah, when they stress. It, she like freaked out. It was so real. Yeah. Dang, it was good. And then her before that pleading with Hamage to like volunteer if you can. Yeah. Make sure that Peta can't get in, and then he. I, I like that Peta volunteers for Hamage. You know, yeah, obviously there's yeah. nothing you could do to stop that. Um, Although I did want to see uh woody harrelson in the hunger games <laughs> but yeah. no it story-wise yeah. yeah yeah but yeah then they pull Ham- uh Hamage. hamich's name and then he uh pita volunteers his tribute yeah. like right away and it's it's kind of cool because it juxtaposes to the previous time the last hunger games where it was so surprising that someone would volunteer his tribute yeah it's like he does it and it's so nonchalant and he's like that's just what it is okay yeah. And it's it's not a big celebration or like, wow, you saved his life. It's a little more like, oh boy. Yeah, terrible. Just terrible. And then everyone just silently raises their three fingers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it feels intense there. And then we get to where we meet the big bad tough guy who has the 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 guy you talked about earlier okay well let's just say that oh did i miss something well no not really but the the next little bit of the movie is everything that was done in the first movie yeah because why would it be different yeah and i don't even i didn't get bored with it at all i so i think um after the drawing the movie kind of loses me a little bit i would say maybe the slowest point i'm not sure why but okay. there's just something about like the training to the end of the movie that I'm just like not totally on board with, and I couldn't quite place my finger on. Do you it. think it was just you were kind of bored because you've already seen it? I think that could be possible, but I think there's enough new things that it is pretty interesting. Yeah, and you get to see Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think I think part of it might have been just like the it might have been the new cast of characters. Yeah, not super compelling to you. I mean, they were kind of cool. I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't place my face. And I'm well, not, it wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there is an element of like the, the movie feels like it's really building to this, to this like political thing. And then, and then the like quarter quell comes and then it becomes the first movie. So I think that's probably what it is. Well, let me try and convince you otherwise. Okay. So we are introduced to um, all of the new contestants who are all people who have won before. So they pose an even greater threat than the last movie because they have won. They're victors. And not only that, like a lot of them have like are older, they're wiser. They are more capable to even win this thing. Um, So I, a couple of things that I thought was really interesting. One being, I forget the number of districts of these things, but the one district where the two winners were basically drug addicts. Cause that was their way of coping with winning, like coping with killing people was self-medicating. Super interesting there. Yeah. And then another one with the, what's that guy's name? Finnick. Uh, the Finnick guy with the old lady. 
yeah. the old lady volunteering. Very interesting. It's like, what's going on there? Yeah. And then we have the the Pulp Fiction girl and the other guy. Yeah. Who were like, well, honestly, it's like, oh, they're famous enough that I know they'll be important. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll yeah. get their story eventually. Yeah. Um, so they have a pretty quick like introduction of most of the people. They didn't do all of them, but um, then they started talking about like you need to try, you need to like now work on creating allies with some of these people in mm-hmm. order to survive because you guys are the least experienced. Therefore, and you guys are the most popular too. Therefore, you're the you have the biggest targets on your back. That's interesting strategy. Yeah, for me, and then. Then they have the training happening. That's when we get to meet all these characters. Mm -hmm. And that's when Katniss first meets Pulp Fiction Girl and the other guy. And she helps them. They gain a little bit of trust, but they definitely seem off their rocker. Yeah. Like, what's going on with those people? So it's kind of like, how can they help her later on? Because it's interesting because they're not physically fit. No. Compared, like, some people are, like, super physically fit. Yeah. And even, like, basically Katniss picks the visually least like the most the weakest people she could pick and the one person she doesn't want is finnick because he was really weird to her really competitive to her earlier on kind of he gets in the like annoying teenage zone and until later in the movie which they're just really making you not trust him so that later on you do question him but then end up trusting him just like katniss because you're the books are written from her perspective so you're seeing things through her lens um and i will say they they did trick me because I was like, oh, this guy sucks. And then when he helps her in the games, I thought, okay, they're just doing this, and then later he's going to betray her. Big whoop-de-doo. And then he didn't, and he's like part of the resistance. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. That, okay, you got me on that one. That's oh, yeah, cool. I totally flipped on that guy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all that stuff, super interesting to me. Even that her chosen allies are the weakest people. When hey, Midge and Peter are like, you've got to be kidding. You didn't talk to anyone else or like... Yeah. Try to get anyone else. And then I also thought it was interesting when it was their time to like show their special talent. And it's like, yeah, we've seen this before. Um, she put, she put, what does it say? Oh, she writes the Wes name, Bentley's name on yeah. a mannequin and hangs it. Yeah. That's her special talent. So it's like, okay, she's getting a little bit of a voice because yeah, she's yeah, getting that really was a pissed. Good, yeah. And I also thought it was super interesting throughout this time that every contestant super pissed yeah as they should be because they have already won this game they have killed people to survive and win this game and they're called back to it yeah basically when it's promised that that'll never happen to you mm-hmm. um and that is really shown later on when they're doing all the interviews with stanley tucci which another five star yeah. <laughs> to stanley tucci for this role um most people are pretty much like playing to the camera and all that stuff. But then the one girl, the, the Donnie Darko Stewart, girl, the Donnie Darko girl, um, she's like the firecracker of everything. Oh, I forgot to tell you a note about the elevator scene. Yeah. <clears throat> so apparently they did that at a hotel. Like they filmed it at a hotel and they didn't, they didn't like, they didn't black out anything. Well, it it sounds like there was like one time where they were running through the scene and like a hotel manager was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was like, but that was like her Kimmel story, you know, which is always oh. like, you never quite know how true those are. Yeah. You know, those little anecdotes weird. that they tell. Yeah. But anyway, um, which that was a kind of a weird scene. I think at first I was like, oh, brother. Absolutely cut it. That makes no sense. Yeah. But I mean, I think seeing how rebellious she is and stuff throughout the the movie and everything i'm like okay say f you like so many times during her interview that's enough for me i don't need to see her like strip in front of them yeah that's weird um but they're so going it is funny though seeing woody harrelson just being like well nice (laughs) and then and then Peter's like not he's kind of like uncomfortable uh and then katniss is just so upset but not looking at her yeah yeah um Okay, so then, yeah, so she does her big F you thing for her interview, which I was surprised about. And yeah. then from then or there on, well, it was they get like, they get away with putting the F word in it because they beep it because it's being broadcast to yes, it works, you know, the district. So yeah. it like works within the world. Yeah. And so then Katniss is next and she's wearing her wedding dress because, you know, perfect publicity. Yeah. She was supposed to get married and now she can't. And then she twirls. <laughs> Yeah. And it becomes a mocking jay, which is a huge political statement. 
Yeah. Well, it's becoming one. Becoming yeah. a huge political statement to everyone watching. And you're like, oh, cool. That guy's dying. The yeah. The designer. designer yeah. Um, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. So then that was a pretty big deal. And then um, it's and, just and like I at do this like, point. I like the uh, evolution throughout the series so far of the Mockingjay idea. I yeah, think I it's pretty too. cool and it feels natural. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that I just wanted to. I, I guess I'll just get to the point of like it. It's just I guess I'm not losing my train of thought. But it's just interesting because like the last movie, they were all playing to the camera. They're all like playing to the audience because they want sponsors. Mm. And at this point, you know, this time under these circumstances, this is like I don't give an f about pleasing anybody at yeah. this point. Like a lot of people become that, even to the point of like Peta so surprised by that where he's like yeah we got married in secret wow that's crazy yeah and she's pregnant wow. oh yeah that was... so that's implicating that this pregnant woman's gonna die yeah which is huge like that would piss so many people off yeah um so brilliant and then they all hold hands so yes. it's this kind of act of solidarity yeah and philip seymour hoffman keeps being like don't worry don't worry uh president snow like i got this handled and snow's getting a little impatient of like she needs to die she needs to die she needs to die yeah and it's like i've got it all figured out yeah um okay so then the games happen <laughs> lenny kravitz gets killed <laughs> in front of her right before which was pretty intense um and then the the setting is very interesting that it's in this tropical and they start in the water so you can speed through as much as you want. I'm just setting the stage. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. But I just want to say, um, yeah, What all the stuff you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I, I am on board. That does make sense. I think you're convincing me that it, it isn't a retread, even though I knew it wasn't. It, it doesn't feel like a retread, but you know what I, I'm saying. I understand. But um, the, the one thing about this whole sequence, um, and I, I don't, I can't quite figure it out yet because I don't know enough about cinematography and color grading. It looked pretty washed out to you. But it has that, like, it has that, which is the same thing with, like, Wakanda. It's, like, that washed out green, not vibrant colors. And it there's, um, there's like, a lap, lack of depth. Like, it's kind of, you don't really see how far things are away. And, like, the cameras, if I'm remembering right, I'm kind of just spitballing here. But I feel like they don't, they don't use, like, um focus very effectively so it'll like just look at a landscape and you can just see everything or like it's too busy to know what to focus on maybe or it's like too daunting to figure that out i don't think so because i just imagine if if like a if this was an independent movie um and and you had like a a director with with vision beyond just adapting the books faithfully maybe they would have done something more visually pleasing I would agree with that. I think the set's kind of cool. Yeah. I like I like the whole clock idea. Yeah. And I actually like the things they come up against. I think those are v- cool. Yes. Um, I think that... But there's just a washed out look to it. I agree. A uh, little bit of just a franchise thing I'm kind of used to looking at, in a way. Yeah, it's like, oh, is this a PG-13 movie? Okay, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to look nice. Because I remember seeing the trailers for Hobbs and Shaw, and they go to Samoa. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but yeah. they, they go to Samoa, and I was like, oh. How come Samoa looks ugly? Yeah, <laughs> like it's it it looks the same as all these other. Gr- Whenever a place is green, for some reason blockbusters are like determined not to make them look good. I yeah, it's I weird. It. Maybe we gotta talk to someone about that sometime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say that this whole part could be shorter. Yeah, that's my opinion. I think it's all very all of it's important. Uh-huh. Obviously, very interesting, especially during uh, when it comes to her trusting people and not trusting people learning to trust people again that's all really important character wise but like i think a lot of it was just a little too drawn out yeah. like it's so it begins okay now she's to get her stuff okay now she's to run out to the forest make sure Peta's still fine finding out that finnick is going to be on her team because hamage like made a deal with him whatever that deal was yeah. um it's like okay that's all that's a big stuff that has to happen and then they go they into the really... forest oh i guess because he's on the so he just is the implication that he just bought Finnick for the resistance? No. No? No. I don't know. We don't know what the story is. Okay. And it was funny because you kept not understanding it in the movie. But they didn't they never paid that off, right? No. Maybe they will later. I'm assuming he's just fine. A good guy. No, no, no. But I mean like he has that 
Okay, so here's what happened, Micah. So <laughs> this whole time Katniss is like, hey, Mitch, if you can't be in the games, I am begging you to make sure Peta's fine. Do whatever you can to make sure Peta's okay. Right, okay. So then Hamish is like, he can't, Hamish can't fight, so he has to figure out a different way to ensure Peta's safety. Okay, what am I going to do? I am going to persuade one of the people to become her undying ally to the death to the point where he gets rid of the old lady for her. I know it's not that yeah, bad. I, okay, but I got you. The, the reason why he has the gold band is to visually represent, I'm with Hamish, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Whether or not there's more layers to be un- to be peeled, we well, the, have not seen the it. The thing that popped into my head is I was wondering if like, okay, pre pre Hamish talking to him, is he a part of the bigger resistance or is there an off screen, which is okay. I'm not saying it's bad, but is there an off screen like Hamish goes to him and he goes, Hey, this resistance is happening. We need your help in these games. I would say it is not important important whether whoever side they're on, it's important for Katniss to understand that she can trust him. Yeah. That's all I'm you just need curious. To I'm just curious. Do you understand a <laughs> single thing in this movie? <laughs> okay, so they go into the forest, and then they Peta gets shocked, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, so he's shocked. He almost dies. Big deal. I get it, people. And then they get a water thingy from Hamage, and then fog comes, and then there's monkeys. There's just so much stuff that happens. Yeah. And then they get back to the beach and become allies with more people and get this new... It's just so much stuff happens. Monkeys, uh, special effects, for the most part, hold up really well, I would I say. I thought it was cool. There was were good. there Actually, when the, there were a few shots where I was like... I Before I... I mean, I was also laying down at that point, which changed my perspective a little bit. But uh, there were a few shots where I didn't realize... I wasn't sure if they were using special effects or not. And then once it once it kept playing out, I was like, okay, they are because I don't know why they would like get one monkey and not twenty monkeys. You they know? they just did it really smart with both movies. I know the dogs didn't look super great in the first movie, but it was really dark, so they got yeah. away with a lot. And this movie was like dusk, yeah, so they got away with a lot. Very smart. But um, can I ch- hop in again? Yeah. Um, I think w- one thing, and I, I'm I I bet we talked about this with Marvel, um, especially with like Phase Two, maybe Phase One stuff, but I I think um. One, even though this movie does do action pretty competently and it does it looks better than the previous movie and i think the action is a little bit better but i think there's something to like blockbuster just action where like i'm sitting there and i'm going and again i don't want to say that these sequences are bad i think this is a good movie and i like this movie but um i just think that like I'm more interested in all the stuff that wasn't action that was the first hour and a half of the movie. And then when we get to the action, it's a little like, okay, I know you have to make this, you know, one hour, but but you're not, you know, you're not the guy who directed John Wick. So it doesn't it even though it's a pretty serviceable good hour, it's just not like, oh, but I, I wish you had hired like a like so someone else for the sequence to make it like really thrilling so that when you watch the movie you would think oh man i forgot that the political stuff's really cool not the other way around where you're like oh yeah the action's pretty cool that's why i think that if you if they did that i probably wouldn't think that all this should be shorter yeah yeah that's the that's exactly yeah because it's just kind of like okay they fight monkeys get get through it even though it didn't look bad or anything no and again it's competent it just it's not like over the top where where i would personally like to see it go yeah um, and then we'll blow past, they go with the other people and they need to go to the tree that gets struck by lightning every night. A cool to, looking tree. Yeah. To basically, <laughs> There's some cool sets in the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, so the idea is to bring the coil back to the water so that by the time the other people get to the water, they'll be electrocuted and killed. Yeah. Um, pretty good plan. Uh, that's when Katniss tries to beg Peta to run away at this point when he's like, we need to at least stick with him a little bit longer because this is a pretty good plan. Mm-hmm. So they get to the tree and all this stuff. Obviously their plan's not going to work her and PETA. Um, and it is, I, and I think it's not a bad thing, but at this point where I'm like, how is this going to end? Sure. Like, oh how yeah. Are, like having, this doesn't make sense. Like having allies when everyone's going to have to die at some point, but it's, I do understand that it's, it's not a bad strategy at all. Yeah. And it's one of those things where no one else, like everyone's thinking about that. Yeah. But not right now. 
But anyway, so her and the Donnie Darko girl start going back and then they get attacked and she, it looks like she attacks Katniss for a second, but then you see that she pulls the tracker out of her arm. Yeah. Um, so it's like, huh? What's going <laughs> yeah, what's on here? Happening? And kind of, I would say the whole time they've been making certain comments of like, we need to keep her safe. We need to keep her alive. Like all this stuff. And it's almost like, I mean, yeah, that makes sense because she's like the biggest propaganda piece right now. Yeah. But um, why are you guys to so be concerned that? about it? Exactly. So then things get really crazy. She runs back to the tree to find, try and find Peta. Can't find him. That's what point when she's not sure she can trust Finnick again. She almost like she considers shooting him. But then that's when she gets the whole idea of like, um, because earlier in the movie, they saw that there's like a dome. Like and they a, do a good dome um, uh, Chekhov's gun with yeah. the dome and, very, and the portals just throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very. So very smart strategy stuff. So that's when she coils around her bow or arrow and brings it all down. Create the yeah, black. And that was like cool. I was like, whoa, that is a wild ending to this. And crazy too that Snow is watched. Like that's when Snow kind of re-enters this part of the movie and is yeah. watching this um, and definitely being entertained by it because he, you know, he trusts Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Um, and then when that happens, he's trying to find him and he can't find him. Yeah, it, it shows the game room where he, Philip Seymour Hoffman had went two minutes before. But oh, he's yeah, not there, you're right. Yeah. Which I still didn't know what was going on. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe he I don't know. I'm sure they'll tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so they, then yeah, yeah, she gets airlifted out um, and then she wakes up in a plane and she sees Finnick, Hamage and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Very confused, hysterical. I don't blame her. I'd be hysterical <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. And then later on she wakes up again and Gail's there and it's like weird. Cause they're not, they don't look to be in a place as district 12. It still looks no, yeah. sci-fi. I think you even said you're like, Oh dream. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And which um, is kind of cool that they kind of pulled the wool over your eyes on that. Yes. Um, so then he tells, that's when he, we find out that district 12 no longer exists. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. How much time is left on this movie? I know. I actually, because it was recorded on YouTube TV, um, and I was like, "Oh no, this doesn't have the last like twenty minutes of this movie." I know. Is what I and thought. it's like, I don't know how the series ends, but I'm like, how are there two? How did they create two more movies out of this? Yeah. And I'm curious if I'm going to watch these next two movies and think that they should not have been parters. Yeah. But if it should have just been like a very intense, succinct three movies. Yeah. Like they were three books. And I believe all the three books were not even that long. Which I know there's a well, lot of subtext I'll, in all of it. Folks, I will be letting you know about... I will answer those questions for you, Jordan, okay. in the next episode. Sure you will. So pretty much... Uh, oh, and we find out that the Capitol has PETA. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then she does a nice like Revenant-style shot where she looks into the camera and she gains the confidence and anger. Yes. Um, she turns from crying to... Yeah. Yeah, and and... And I mean, the way it ends, I mean, us talking about the ending right now makes me like, ooh, oh, we got to watch the next one, like, quick. I really like this movie, man. Yeah, I think it's really good. So far, the series is really good. Yeah, I and and I, I think we primed ourselves for such success on liking it, having just finished Twilight. Yeah. Because this is the next oh. series that we've watched in our lives at this point. Yeah. And it's just been like, oh, oh, yeah, young adult doesn't suck. Like, it can yeah. be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a really good movie. I liked it. I did too, dude. And, um, I think we covered it pretty thoroughly. Yeah. For one, for once our talking about the movie plot was longer than the production and actors. <laughs> right. Um, so folks, here we are. We're at the end of our episode. We got two more Hunger Games to go. We got our Patreon series picked, uh, coming up real soon uh it's either voting it being voted on right now or it's one and it'll be happening as our next series if you want to be a part of that go to patreon.com slash micah sign up and uh it's like a monthly subscription basically uh tiers for, range from three to ten dollars and you can get um bonus episodes we did a what we do in the shadows episode that came out this month and um i have a music video for my song overtime that's out now and very cool yeah it's real cool i would it would mean a lot to me if you shared it with people and uh 
make sure and leave a comment. We I know we have more than 13 listeners, but we only have 13 uh, ratings on iTunes so or Apple Podcasts. So please go on there, give us five stars, and if you want, just write something. It can be anything. It'd be fun. You don't have to like sit there and and you know go through and 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 pull out your thesaurus and write this beautiful review. You could be like, hey. I think Harry Potter is cool, and I liked that series. That would make us feel good. <laughs> yep. Or tell us if you disagree or whatever. Yeah. But um, let's pump that number up. Let's get it to like 20. Yeah. And we have 10 patrons now. Let's pump that up to 15. Let's go. Let's get this train out of the station. But she is leaving the station. Just maybe maybe the better metaphor is it's time to jump on board. Am I right, folks? Gosh. But thanks for listening. Um, really, thanks for listening. Yep. If, this is cool we've done it for a year now and the 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 audience has definitely uh grown and people have really like it it's cool thanks guys thanks bye